So if you got a Bible, Matthew 28, stand with me. We're going to read these script, few scriptures. We're going to be preaching out for, for the next um, three to four weeks. Pastor Matt started it last week saying, God can use you. And this morning I'm talking about living green with authority and with power. Someone say power. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. So most scholars say that Jesus was probably at a distance and some by faith said, oh, that's him. Others were like, I don't know if that's Jesus. So they doubted. Then Jesus came to them. So this is what's beautiful. The character of God came to them and spoke and said, and this is the passage, verse 18, that I'm preaching this morning, only this passage. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus established his credentials that all authority had been given to him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus, bless the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. If you agree, would you say amen? Amen. Have a seat. This passage is answering the question that uh, I'd say I've asked over the years of deconstructing my faith a little bit. Why make disciples? Why go to unreached countries? Why care for the poor? Why be missional? Why share the gospel and be very awkward about it? (laughs) Why give generously and sacrificially? Why fight injustice? Why care for other nations? Why mourn with those who mourn? Why care about a country that I don't live in? Why rejoice with those who rejoice? Why fast? Why pray? Why live with certain morals? Why, why, why? And this ultimately leads to the answer to the why, which is because Jesus said to. (laughs) I mean, he just outlined his, why would you and why would I, why would we as a faith community do the things we're doing? Why not live for the American dream? Because Jesus said that it's not his dream. Why, why, why? When I read the scriptures, and especially the book of Acts, I see a church that moved with power. I mean, undeniable power power. The sick were getting healed by shadows. They were praying over handkerchiefs and people were touching the handkerchiefs and they were getting healed. Demons were flying out of people. It was spiritual power on display. When you read the book of Acts, you're like, it's like watching the best movie you could ever imagine. You're living on your seat. There's one passage. It's in Acts chapter 19. How many of you guys remember the story? I've heard the story, maybe in Sunday school, of the seven sons of Sceva. Wave at me if you know this story. All right, I, I'm imagining a lot of you have not. So in Acts chapter 19, it tells the story. Now, again, the apostles in that time were not just saying words. There was a demonstration of power. There was an authority on the church that we don't see today. So when people are saying, hey, I'm going to be a part of the, this church, there was a power associated with it, a branding that associated with it with power. So the seven sons of Sceva um, were non-believers in Jesus, but they liked what the church was doing. And the church was going around healing the sick, caring for the poor, fighting injustice, and they were casting out demons. And, I mean, there was 
action taking place, like wild action taking place. So they would study. They're like, man, how are demons coming out of these people? How's that happening? And they're like, oh, I get it. If you say in the name of Jesus, demons come out because they have to bow because all authority. Oh, we get it. We get it. So the seven sons of Sceva went up to a demonized man and said, come out of that, come out of them in the name of Jesus. So the, the, man, the true story, the man replied, um, Jesus I know, and this is the demon talking through the guy, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> and then it says, the man beat the seven sons of Sceva, took off their clothes, and the men ran away naked. Because they, they listen, the early church, the early, I'd say, onlookers of the church were craving the, the, the power that the church flowed in, that the church had. And now... <laughs> The American church, people look at the American church and they're like, oh, look, it's our substitute teacher, you know. <laughs> you guys remember having a substitute teacher, right? There's like the teacher that when the teacher walks in the class, the bell rings, you take out your folder, you do your thing, or you know like what's happening with the teacher. But then you have substitute teacher, right? Substitute teachers, the teacher, like, oh, good, no work today. And I'm really not going to listen to them. And we're going to push them far enough to see how much they, authority they know they have and they think they have, right? Because they really don't have a lot of authority and you kind of abuse it. I remember as a middle schooler, I remember we got this one teacher to cuss us out and get fired. I wasn't a part of that. It was all the other like bad kids. But anytime, it was like fair game. I mean, when a substitute teacher showed up, it was like sharks in the water to see if we could dismantle them into like, I mean, it was, it was pretty rough. All of the substitute teachers, man, I got mad respect for you. <laughs> mad respect for you. But the church has become that hollow echo of someone who has a message but doesn't really speak with authority that God said the church should have. Why is that? Why do we have no authority? Why on issues of justice? Why on issues of governance? Why issues of poverty? Why issues of the poor? Why issues of healing and science? The church lacks so much authority. When in the book of Acts, it was the authority. And people went and were trying to like invoking Jesus' name, even if they didn't believe in Jesus. So I want to be, in a disciple maker, a representation of Jesus Christ to the world. And Jesus wasn't just someone who talked about authority. Jesus was the man who had authority in heaven and on earth. When I was looking at this passage to preach it, Martin Lloyd-Jones said it's a shame in his sermon on this passage. The church has lost its authority in areas of justice, in areas of government, in areas of spiritual matters, in marriage, and sexuality. What happened? And I would say this. Authority is gained. If you want to write down one equation this morning is this. If you want spiritual authority and power and earthly, so heaven authority and earthly power, you're going to have to follow the model of Jesus. And Jesus did this. He lived intimate with the Father. He obeyed the Father over time, and he gained authority. There is no shortcut to spiritual heaven and earth authority. Write it down. Intimate with Jesus, obeying Jesus, and you will grow in your authority. And you see Jesus in the, the Gospels as it teaches about who he was. He wasn't no substitute teacher. And the vision for us as disciple makers those who live in the green and reproduce green disciples, is we would not be substitute teacher Christians. We would be the real thing. Someone say amen. 
Because everyone's always asking what authority you're coming with. It's like when you were little, and let's just say you had a sibling, and your brother comes in the room and says, uh, um, hey, go take out the trash. What, do you, what, do you, what does everyone say in that moment? Who, what? Because you said something to me? <laughs> like everyone's asking the question when a command comes down, who's in charge, aren't we? We're asking, who said it? Well, mama said to Well, okay, I'll go do it now. Or grandma said to Or grandpa or grandma, okay, I'll do it now. There's an issue of authority. And just to be honest with you, a lot of us have little authority because we struggle with being under authority. Ooh, I'm not even preaching that today, man. Let's go leave that one. I went on the side for Pastor Mike when he gets back. So if Jesus, and we just read it, had all authority in heaven and on earth, aren't in some capacity, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, but for those of us who are followers of Jesus in this community, aren't we supposed to be an image bearer of the resurrected Christ? That we would walk in authority on earth and in heaven. Intimacy and obedience over time produces men and women with authority. And in this passage, three quick points about if you want to grow to be a man or woman of authority. The first one is this. Recognize the proximity of Jesus. The proximity of Jesus. This is the intimacy quotient. This is the intimacy quotient. Men and women that grow in their authority now, I'm not talking about just earthly authority. I'm talking about spiritually authority. Recognize the proximity of Jesus. He was at a distance, and this verse says he came to them. He was at a distance, and when Jesus was at a, is at a distance, we all doubt. When, when, he, when he's at a distance, um, we, we are insecure. Um, when humans are at a distance, relationships get splintered. Proximity matters. Morality is subjective when Jesus is at a distance. At a distance, we all doubt. Few worship, we all doubt when Jesus is at a distance and he comes near. If you're insecure, inadequate, inadequate unsure, the 11 disciples were there. Now, many of them were in that space. But when Jesus comes near and speaks, everything changes. And if we are going to be greater disciples and disciple makers that move in authority, we're going to be living more and more green. It's going to require for you and I to grow in our intimacy with God. Speaking to a man after first service, he's like, you know, I'm going through some really hard times in life. And I used to process them with people and I'd process them with myself. But now I've learned the authority of Jesus, and now I process them with Jesus. It's called intimacy. It's called a relationship. It's called when I'm looking at the water that's blocking you guys. Anybody have to go Millhopper Road? They might have to go Millhopper Road. Anybody? Anybody go Jonesville trip? Yeah? All right, yeah, come on, let's go. The Millhopper's pretty. Anybody take that Millhopper Road, man? That's a beautiful drive, really beautiful drive. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm dialoguing with Jesus about this. I'm like, Jesus, what are you saying that there's an obstacle for greenhouse people to worship together? Because like, I could complain to the county. I can complain to, you know, whoever is whatever causing the water. But then I can just be like in this intimate relationship with God and like, God, okay, there's an obstacle. What are you, what are you saying, God? What are you saying? Disciples of Jesus are asking that question all day long to Jesus about everything in life. 
It is like when my golf ball goes out of bounds, I'm like, Jesus, what are you doing right now? Where's this persecution coming from? You know, we're in this constant and, and Jesus. And this is just so you know, if you're in a rough spot right now and you are broken and you are crushed and you're full of fear and insecurity and life is a mess right now, your relationships are like all I mean, everything in life and you feel crushed and broken hearted. God is most near to you in that space. I'm serious. Like some of us are like, oh, I feel so far from God. Why? Because I'm on such persecution and brokenness and such a bad season. No, no, listen to me. You are the actual recipe for the presence of Jesus to be so strong in your life. I would even argue this. He's like jumping around being like, hey, I love you. I haven't abandoned you. I'm right here. I care about you. I want to speak to this situation. Here's some peace. I'm trying. And we're like, oh, God, we're complaining the whole time. And he's actively pursuing us. Jesus, in our hard times, is always drawing near. The bruised reed, he will not break, he will not crush. The nature of God is to be near the brokenhearted, the oppressed, and the suffering. And when we are in those spaces, expect God to be there. Don't be like, oh God, are you even here? <laughs> like, are you hurting? Are you broken? Is life pretty miserable right now? He is 100% there with you right now. That's his character, that's his promise. So proximity of Jesus, in this passage, he comes near now, the English translation of the original language says, and he said. Now, what's interesting, the original translation, there's actually two different words. But our English translation makes them one word, which is just said. So we would say, like, okay, Jesus came near and he just spoke. But actually, the first word of those two words is God spake. And it's not actually what he said, but the weight of the word is that he actually spoke the God because you won't what he says is important but the the God of this universe is speaking to us I mean that there's got to be a little bit of awe and reverence to be like okay God you are you're so incredible and large and I'm in awe of you and then that he is breaking the silence into my life. He is crossing the threshold of time and space and eternity, speaking to my heart and invading into my life and breathing life into it. Let that sink in. When you're reading this passage, when it says he came near and said he spoke, God broke the silence. And then he said, and then it says he gave a directive and he said something. Listen, there is a proximity of Jesus that is speaking to you and it invites us into this intimate relationship with God to dialogue with him and know him deeply and intimately. In Hebrews 1, it says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. It is fascinating to me that God speaks. This is not the substitute teacher speaking. <laughs> I've been with my um, teenagers before when they happened to see a TikTok influencer. And you'd have thought like it was Jesus, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, 
They have like 100,000 followers on TikTok. Or like, oh my God, they, he's at YouTube. I've been my son at these basketball tournaments when he sees one of the kids that he's watched on YouTube and with some planes, hey, I've seen that guy. I mean, it's like this, this moment of like, there he is. There she is. There they are. What? And then if they say something, so they're there and then they say something. I would say as we're approaching scripture in the presence of Jesus in intimacy, I would want to have this moment of like, oh my God. Like if, if this happened once in your lifetime, this is it. <laughs> Think about that. Like, we're like, I haven't heard from God this year. I'm like, this year you have in your lifetime, like the God of this universe spoke in your lifetime to you and you sensed his presence and it was very clear that it was God speaking to you. He's like, yes, you're done. Like, that's it. You've won life at that moment. And for us, we're like, this week, I mean, today, I haven't heard anything from God today. You know, like, and I get it. I get the desire for that, but I also get the, the, the awe and respect that God would ever do this. There's this fear. Recognize the proximity of Jesus, the intimacy. The second thing is this, understand the promotion of Jesus. Understand the promotion of Jesus. He said this, and I don't think we get the context of this, these few words right here. They're red letters, man, in the Bible. I mean, most of us read you know, on the phones, but in our, my Bible, they're red letters. All authority. Let me give you my, he's going to give his credentials He's going to commission people like he did with Ryan to go to the nations. But before he does that, Ryan had to understand who was speaking. And Jesus gives his credentials before he gives a commission in verse 19. His, his credentials are this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's saying, listen, let me, let me just pull out my lanyard. You know, when you're walking in a conference, they're like, excuse me, can you be back here? And he pulls out his lanyard like, oh, wow, there's the green room. You know, you get the filet. You know, you get whatever. <laughs> like in those moments, I have access. This is the moment where Jesus just kind of flashes his lanyard real quick and says, listen, this is who is speaking right now. I'm about to tell you to do something. But before I tell you to do something, let me tell you who's speaking. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ. Yesterday, Matthew's basketball tournament, one of the parents asked me, he's like, are you, you going to be here on Sunday to watch again? I said, no, I'm going to preach. And I, what are you going to preach about? I was like, Jesus. <laughs> They're like, what else? I was like, that's it. I mean, he's the man. <laughs> He's the God man. But also, how do you sum up a whole sermon in a sentence? You know, that's what people want. What are you preaching on? I mean, uh, give me, can I just give a paragraph at least? You know, so all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. But here's what's interesting. Jesus didn't say that in Matthew chapter 4. He only said that in Matthew chapter 28. Really interesting. Actually, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is fasting and praying. He's in the desert. And the devil comes up to Jesus and tempts him in three different ways. And Jesus responds with the word of God. And one of the ways he tempts Jesus is says, hey, listen, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you authority in this earth. And Jesus had the foresight enough not to give in to earth because I think he saw like a promise from God of heaven and earth. So in the moment of temptation, now listen, some of you guys are in temptation and you're missing in the midst of temptation 
that as you endure and persevere and resist what God is preparing for you in Matthew chapter 28. Some of you are in Matthew chapter 4 right now. And the temptation of that relationship, that business deal, that business partner, cheating on that exam, you're in the midst of Matthew chapter 4. Listen, if the enemy can do anything, he will trap us in Matthew chapter 4. Praise God that he didn't get Jesus in his moment of fasting and weakness. The enemy was promising him earth. And man, earth is actually, I mean, authority on earth would have been pretty good. But Jesus understood God had heaven and earth for him. You guys see this? So in Matthew chapter 4, the devil said, here's earth. Jesus said, no, no, I'm not bowing down to you for earth. I worship God only is what he said, right? Then you see in, in other chapters, like, man, in Luke chapter 4, and this is from another uh, uh, gospel, it says, all the people were amazed and said to, uh, to each other, what is this teaching with authority and power? He gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. Jesus resisted and God went ahead and gave him authority on earth. There was an anointing and a grace on him. But in that moment of weakness, we all get tempted to lose sight of what God's doing in the long run. Jesus kept a vision for God's ultimate plan for his life. And there's a pattern for God's promotion for Jesus. There's a pattern for your promotion in authority. There is intimacy and then there is obedience. And as you are intimate with proximity and you become obedient in resisting temptation, your authority grows. Jesus knew in, Matthew, in Daniel chapter 7, there's a prophecy about him. And it says this, in my, in my vision at hand, this is Daniel speaking at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men, every language worshiped him. His dominion is everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. When the devil's like, I'll give you authority over earth. Jesus is like, have you read Daniel chapter 7? <laughs> Some of y'all, when the devil's showing up to you and tempting you, you'd be like, have you read the words of God on my life? Have you heard the visions that God has given me for who I'm supposed to be? I'm not taking earth. No, God has promised heaven and earth. In, you, in your intimacy, there's going to be moments for obedience. As you move in obedience, you will see God's authority increase in your life. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 through 11 is the picture of the authority of Jesus. He says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. He was intimate in his humility. He was obedient in his death. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. His intimacy and obedience produced his authority. But his resisting of the temptation wasn't the end. I would say this, that um, I remember this one. This is probably 20, this was 20 years ago. In 1998, July 7th, a girl shared the gospel with me in the Santa Fe College Library. I still remember the first time I'd really ever prayed to Jesus, and my life was just changed, changed. And in 2000, I'm graduating University of Florida, and uh, I met Pastor Mike, the lead pastor here. And uh, he said, hey, Robbie, you're graduating from Florida. What are you going to do? I said, I don't know. He said, why don't you come and move into a low-income neighborhood with uh, some guys? I'll disciple you. I'll teach you how to follow Jesus, how to make disciples, how to live as missionaries. And I, said, and I prayed about it. I said, great, let's do it. 
So I was working part-time at Publix and raising mission support. So I was just living on nothing. And uh, after that first year, so in 2001, this is 20 years ago, I still remember, I got approached by a church to take a position as like a youth pastor and a, an associate pastor. And then they offered me this like salary package. So I was like, I mean, just in, in general, anything beyond $100 a week would have been like, you know, <laughs> heaven's open. And, uh, but this is like a full salary with benefits and everything. And I was like, oh, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is it. And he's like, is it? And I remember saying, like, am I supposed to go do that? The other opportunity I had was to live in this low-income neighborhood for another year and get discipled and trained a little bit more, or I could go and make good money somewhere else. And I remember, like, this, and I, 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 when discerning God's will, there's two words. There's, like, consolation and desolation. Desolation is this sense of, like, that's not right. Consolation is, like, this energetic feeling. It's like, ooh, this feels in line with God's will. When discerning God's will, can we all agree it is very difficult sometimes? And when you have that sense of desolation in your spirit, don't just ignore that do something with that I had this sense of like desolation I couldn't figure out what it is so I set apart a day of fasting and prayer so all day long like I was doing stuff different things throughout the day but then it became about 8 p.m. I'm hungry but I still had no answer and I remember I clocked my I locked myself in my in a in a my bedroom no phone no access and I said God I'm just not leaving here till your will becomes clear to me and it's this prayer of like indifference. I got into this place where I was like, God, I don't care about money. I don't care about titles. I don't care about cloud. I don't care about position. I don't care about stuff. All I want. And it took me really a day of fasting and prayer and about four hours in prayer to be able to get to a place that I really was indifferent about God's will for my life. And in that moment, God said, stay there. And I went, okay. I was like, why did that take me so long? Because <laughs> Once God's will gets clear, you're always like, oh, that was a stupid question. Why did I? And I remember going to different leaders and my parents. I was like, hey, I think I'm supposed to stay there. And they were like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, why did you make this decision so difficult in that moment, right? And I look back and I'm like, I, I, who knows the trajectory of my life at that moment of like where I would end it up. But this last 20 years with Greenhouse has been, I mean, my best friends in the world are in this community. You know, a, a phenomenal, I've, I've been a part of some God moments and some God speaking moments and some a redemption in people's lives and the restoration of people's visions and dreams and the fighting injustice and the gospel being claimed around the world. I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, this has been the greatest journey ever. You know, it's like Disney World. Now I can't say it like hasn't had some valleys, but the, as Maverick City says, the grass only grows in the valley, right? So, uh. But it's been a phenomenal roller coaster ride. And I look back and I'm like, Lord, I'm so thankful I didn't go after earth in that moment. I'm so thankful in that moment I didn't grasp at money and titles and pay because earth was there. And I'm like, God, you, I've been a part of heaven coming to earth, being a part of this community. And I'm like, I'm so thankful I didn't grab earth. In those moments of desolation, don't grab a hold of earth. Look for what God's saying in heaven for your life. A friend of mine sent me uh, and some buddies a podcast. I probably sent this podcast to like 30 people since. It's a guy interviewing Dabo Sweeney. Does anybody know Dabo Sweeney? The, the head coach of the Clemson Tigers. Horrible team, but the coach is great. And uh, this is him. He's a very outspoken believer and follower of Jesus. And uh, 
runs a phenomenal program. So the guy's interviewing him and the podcast, I mean, literally the guy's interviewing, he's about 45 minutes in. He's like, dude, if you're on your treadmill listening to this one, you are peaked out and your heart rate's at like 170 right now because it's, it's an incredible podcast. But at one point he was talking about the, the moving throughout the channels of earth and whether it's you know, organizational authority or administrative authority, and you're ch- moving through the channels. And um, they were asking him about promotions, like, you know, moving, and how did you become a head coach? How did you do all that? And he's like, I'll never forget. And he told this story. He said, um, I'm getting on an elevator and two GAs, which are grad assistants. And so they're in graduate school. They want to be coaches. And uh, he was at some conference. And they come running to like, like, Coach, Coach Dabo, Coach Dabo. And he's like, yeah, how are you doing, guys? And he's like, good. And they're like, hey, how do you do it? Like, they wanted to know, like, how do, you, how do you win two national championships and have the best, one of the best programs in the nation? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you get to where you're at? How do you, how do you get, that's our dream is what you're doing. How do we get there? And you know what he said? This is the lesson for authority for all of us. He stepped back into the elevator and he said, gentlemen, I'm on the first floor right now. And I'm going to put 14. And this elevator is going to take me 14 floors. And I'm going to step out and be on the 14th floor. And he's like, There is nothing else in life like that. He's like, what you want in life right now is going to take some grit, some effort, some intimacy and obedience. What you want in life right now, go get on the stairs and I'll meet you up there. (laughs) And it was such a lesson of like some of some of what we and let's just say in the spirit, we're like, Jesus, every time I tell a demon to leave, it doesn't leave. Every time I pray for the sick, they don't get healed. Every time I make disciples, they don't become whole. Every time I lead a microchurch, it flops a lot. Every time I preach, I mean, I've graded my last like five sermons. I was like, <laughs> I was like C, C minus, B minus, A minus. I'm like, Jesus, I've been doing this for 20 years. When are you going to make me a good preacher? <laughs> He's like, anyway, so... <laughs> I told Pastor Mike that, and he said, uh, he said, Robbie, you, the, you never know when the Lord's working, and if he lets you know, it would make you prideful potentially, and I was like, it definitely wouldn't make me prideful, it only helped me a little bit, so, uh, but in the process, God is building you into a man or woman of authority. Listen, I know a lot of us are grasping for things in life. Could I make you hungry a little bit for some spiritual authority, some heaven authority, not just earth authority when you get to the end of your life and you've spent yourself the questions are not going to be necessary because you can't take stuff to eternity the real question is have you grown in the spiritual authority the heaven authority that God had designed for you to do promotion of Jesus is going to require the intimacy which comes from the proximity of Jesus the obedience will bring promotion like it did for Jesus. And ultimately, it's us realizing that it wasn't just that Jesus had all authority in heaven and earth, and he did. And the book of John and the gospels and history communicates that Jesus just wasn't a man. He just wasn't a God-man. He was God. And all authority in heaven and on earth was given to Jesus. But this is what's beautiful. He's given us his authority. I mean, wow. I mean, sit on that for a little bit. If you are born from above, he has given you the authority that he has. In John chapter 20, verse 21, it says, Again, Jesus said, 
Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. <laughs> He's like, hey, you're going to need some peace. Because in the same things I did, you're going to do greater things. He speaks of men and women that are like the answer to the prayers of people crying out for hope in this world. You're the answer for them. Which is fascinating to me. Because like you and I, we're just so in touch with our insecurities and our fears. We're so in touch with our weaknesses and our hypocrisies. If you're frustrated the church's hypocrisy and you're in this church here today, like welcome. We are like hypocrites anonymous. Like that's who we are. <laughs> like we want to be someone that we don't always measure up to. You'll fit right in. <laughs> Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. The Great Commission is prefaced by this statement. Jesus has been given all authority, and now he is commissioning us to teach, baptize, minister, and it is founded on the authority of Jesus and the authority that he is going to give us. Now, if you're hearing me say that, it's maybe making you squirm a little bit of like, okay, like, I see, I read about what Jesus did and who he was and what he was doing, and I'm supposed to do all that? Like, and... I, when I was reading a book called I Give You Authority, I read it probably like a 10 years ago, and I was looking through it again in preparation for this sermon. He says one of the enemy's primary tacks for you and I is our self-image. He is convincing us that we are not sons of God and daughters of God, and we can't do the things that God has told us to do. So when God says move in authority, pray for the sick and they'd be healed, cast out demons, relieve oppression, bind up the brokenhearted. When Jesus says, hey, those, that gift and that grace is on you, we question that because we're so in touch with our insecurities and fears. But I'd say this, it's not who you are, it's that you're working under his authority. I would say Jesus is not the substitute teacher and you are not the substitute teacher. When you sit in front of your microchurch as a microchurch leader, you are not the substitute teacher. When you pray with someone and counsel someone in your workplace spontaneously around the work cooler, you are not the substitute teacher. When you are sharing the gospel with a coworker or a friend on a baseball team and you are in a moment of like, oh, I need to be led by the Spirit, I need a Bible verse, I need something like, you want to get like phone a friend. You ever been in like a moment where someone's sharing their life and like you want to help them, but you're like, you need a phone a friend. Like, I know so-and-so would be great for you, but I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Like, I'm the substitute teacher. Wait, the real teacher will be back tomorrow. Anybody else been in those settings? I would say there's a moment where you say you're the person standing there and I'm not the substitute teacher. I'm empowered by God to do this work. And this is why. Because your name's on the credit card. Look at this picture up here. Charles Kraft tells the story, and I give you the, the book, I give you authority, of his son that was about to go off to college. And his son's like, hey, I'm about to drive, off, I'm about to grab, drive across the nation. I have a little bit of money, but if my car breaks down, if I have to go to the hospital, if something like really tragic happens, um, I just don't have the financial capacity to be able to handle like a really big problem. Can you give me one of your credit cards with your name on it? Now, what's, and I don't even know if they make these anymore because this book's like 10 years old. Like, I don't even know if they even do this in this way anymore. But um, so he, he thought about it for a little bit. And he's like, you know what, my son, at that point is going to have access to all of the financial capacity that I have as an adult, he will be able to use it. 
So you had to think about it. Am I willing to give that young man the access? And he said, yes. Put his name at the top, Charles Kraft, Rick Kraft at the bottom. So anytime he was scanning that card, he wasn't worried about his bank account because it wasn't his bank account that needed to back it up. It was his dad's bank account. Now, when we walk in the authority God has given us, it's not our bank account of spiritual authority we're depending on. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Is when we say the name of Jesus, it's not that we're saying in the name of Robbie, in the name of Greenhouse. The name of Greenhouse will perish in the name of anybody else. The bank account, the parent name that is on the ministry that you and I are going to do that's going to really bring the authority is in the name of Jesus. So if you want to move in the authority of Jesus, bank on his authority to bring the power. It is not you. It is not you. It is your intimacy and your obedience that allows him to flow through you. The capacity to pay the bills, the capacity to heal the sick, to drive out demons, to bring heaven to earth in our world and in our city where they're out online is built on the capacity of Jesus. All authority is given to him. He's given us some authority to access to flow through us. That's it. The intimacy and obedience is us moving more and more out of the way and allowing God to flow through us. Men and women of God. Men and women of God. It's not that you have something great. He's just put his name on you. Oh man, it changes everything, doesn't it? He's just put his name on you. And it makes all the difference. In just a second, I'm going to call some altar workers up here. So some of the altar workers get ready. And when you stand up and pray in just a second, and this is what I do when I pray, people look at me like I'm something. I was like, I'll give you whatever Jesus gives me because I got nothing. (laughs) But in just a second, what we're going to believe for, if you're oppressed in here right now or you're oppressed online, like seriously, you feel like spiritual oppression. We're going to function under the authority of Jesus in the name of Jesus for that oppression to be broken. You've got addictions you can't break. You've done all of the 12 steps. I'm a product of someone praying in the name of Jesus with the authority of Jesus and liberty comes. In just a second, we're going to have like an altar time and these, they're going to remain here. If you need healing in your body, you are sick in your body, you are pressed in your mind, you've got addictions that can't be broken, in just a second, we're going to pray in the name of Jesus and the authority of Jesus and they're going to be changed. Eternity's fixing a shift right here for a number of you in this room. (laughs) I mean, those of you who saw first service, I didn't do anything like this first service, but I'm sitting there doing worship and I just sensed it. Like, God, you're fixing to do it here. The first service ended like wah, wah, and everyone left. This one's about to end like, yeah! (laughs) In the name of Jesus, under the authority of Jesus, and he's gonna set the captives free. See, in the book of Matthew, Matthew is writing to a predominantly Jewish audience. The whole book of Matthew. It's written to Jews that convince them that Jesus is the Messiah that they've been longing for. So everywhere he's telling stories, Jesus is in places that Moses used to be. Moses was on mountains getting tempted. Moses, Moses was doing things. So 
Matthew's always saying like, hey, listen, there was Moses that had earthly authority to bring you into an earthly freedom out of captivity. But now there's a new Moses. His name is Jesus. And it's not just a earthly freedom. He has authority on earth and in heaven. And he's bringing a spiritual freedom to your life. A freedom that when the sun sets free is free indeed. See, Moses had limited authority on earth. Jesus has authority in heaven and earth to liberate you to the fullest. He just cancels your debt, sets you free, removes all shame and guilt and captivity. Who the Son has set free, he changes everything. And your life's about to get changed.